Welcome to Casual Conversations, brought to you by Momentum Ministries, helping you attain, maintain, and regain momentum for life. Let's join the conversation with author and pastor Scott Wade, president of Momentum Ministries. Good morning. This is Pastor Scott, and I'm so glad that you have joined us on today's Casual Conversation. Uh, We have Angela Walker with us from El Paso, Texas. Good morning, Angela. Good morning. I am so glad that you came on today. And I I, want to tell our folks listening how we met. Um, We were, uh, I was leading a mission trip. I was on a mission team that went from South Carolina to El Paso. And we did some work at Mission El Paso. And I knew about the director there, Chuck, but I I did not know that you were a part of the the team there and the staff there. And so while we were getting our tour of Mission El Paso, Compassionate Ministry Center, we met you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, What's your job at Mission El Paso? Uh, Who are you anyway? (laughs) I am a Texan who just uh, returned to Texas after quite a few years away. And I am with Mission El Paso and Imagine Church. They're in the same building, directed by the same man. I guess you would say I am a volunteer associate pastor there. I help with the, I help plan with the the music, but just whatever Pastor Chuck needs doing. But I specifically am there to be an immigration, a certified immigration representative and advocate for people in the El Paso actually for the New Mexico District Church of the Nazarene. So I was invited to come here by the district leadership on, um, they call it a special assignment. I'm an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene. And I'm, I get to work in immigration. All right. So what, what attracted you to work in immigration? I think that, uh, that you ended up in El Paso after doing some work somewhere else, didn't you? Yes, I was in Guymon, Oklahoma, and about... The, let me just take a break here. Where's Guymon? Well, if you look at Oklahoma on a map, you look at the panhandle. So that's the part of Texas that's directly... I'm sorry, Oklahoma is directly above Texas. It's about 20 miles deep. And if you look for the biggest dot in the panhandle, that's where Guymon is. Okay. So it's, it's a rural area, about 14,000 people in the county. And what's surprising about that particular area is the schools have over 40 languages and dialects spoken in the schools because there's meatpacking plant there and there's a meatpacking plant north and south of there a couple hours. And so it's a natural place for people who come to the United States who need to find work but don't know the English language yet. It's a great uh, way for them to find employment. And uh, so as a result of living there, uh, I met uh, some people from the South Sudan. One became a really good friend. She was the leader of the South Sudanese group that met for worship in our church. And I got to know her story, how she came to the United States and what life was like for her in the South Sudan and why she would leave everything there to come around the world to the United States. In 2018, 
the beginning of a big campaign year for presidential election. And there was uh, just a lot going on politically. And I remember going to a, a conference and on the way, just the thought kept running through my mind is, who do I vote for? What's the right decision to make? What's going to help change the face of immigration in our country? And I got to that conference and almost I, every workshop that I attended, except for one, was about immigration. I was like, okay, God, you're, you're trying to tell me something. Not quite sure what it is yet, but I'm listening. And as we headed home from that, I was just kept went back to thinking, well, what's the right thing? Who do I vote for? Who's the right person? And I can't say, Scott, that I heard God's voice audibly, but it was more of a a conviction that grew in my heart was that I you don't need to worry about the politics of immigration. You need to think about what you can do for your neighbor. Amen. Who's your neighbor? How are you gonna help them? How are you gonna love them? How are you gonna show them? how I love them. And then I learned about this program that's offered through, basically it's offered through the Department of Justice and Homeland Security, and where people who are not lawyers can study immigration law and become accredited representatives that uh, the government will recognize and allow to act as a lawyer on someone's behalf in immigration matters. So I talked to my lead pastor at the time and said, I feel like we need to pursue this. And he agreed. And so we did. All right. So, so law school. So, <laughs> yeah, he did. Guyman, though, is a, across the, all of Texas, north and south from the border. But yes. that really didn't make much of a difference. According to what you're saying, there were 40 different nationalities, approximately, you said. Not nationalities, languages. Languages. But you, if you can imagine people from every continent live in that small pocket of Oklahoma, you can't, you can't say, you can't look that and say, oh, you know, there are no Africans here. Wrong. There are no Asians here. No, they're from all across the world have come to that little spot in Oklahoma. And it's true across the rest of the country. You know, we, we have immigrants in every I don't think there are any communities anywhere that you could go and not find an immigrant. Um, here you are in Guyman. You immigrated there yourself, Texas. Indeed. <laughs> or, or from well, somewhere along the way. Somewhere else. <laughs> and uh, and you've, you're sensing, all right, God, not an audible voice. And I, I know exactly what you're saying because I've been through a similar experience recently. Not an audible voice, but God saying, don't worry about this worry about how you're going to help people yes and uh, along the way you became certified as an immigration uh, advocate and went to law school i love that yeah. <laughs> and and was, but somehow you ended up in el paso yes because that's where we met yes tell us is. about that transition all right i was uh, i've done a lot of things in life. And when I moved to Guyman, that was the first time I was a pastor on staff at a church. I was ordained as a deacon, as a worship leader. And during the three months leading up to my ordination, I was asked by our congregation to preach. We were in a transition. 
stage and they said, would you please preach? And I said, nope, not called to preach. Won't do it. And they kept after me and the Lord was pretty clearly said, you need to do this. And so then I did and I fell in love with it. And so then I studied preaching and had my orders changed to ordained elder, which means I have a call to preach. And so about a year and a half ago, I felt like God was ready to move me in a different direction. I thought it was to maybe lead a church. I just knew that it was expanding somehow. And so as I was looking into that and asking God, what, what does that mean? What does it look like? This opportunity I opened up in New Mexico. I spoke with uh, district leaders and then in Chuck Parrish at Mission El Paso and Roberto Rodriguez, who's with the Nazarene Border Initiative. And those those two men work together a lot. Their ministries dovetail. And they said, we'd love to have you come because we can't think of very many other places where there's a greater need. From the moment I started talking with them, it felt right. They were more cautious than I am and said, why don't you come visit for a day, see what it's like, and then decide. And so I came down and spent 24 hours here and went back home and called him and said, I'm coming. And so a couple of months later, I did. Well, no, actually, it was 30 days, I think. But it anyway. wasn't quite that simple. You you had some <laughs> things to take care of. And I think you're still doing a little um, commuting, aren't you? I'm trying to. Now it's more remote. I have gone back to Gaiman four times since moving here because on October 31st, Gaiman became a fully recognized immigration center and I became fully accredited. And so... We have some people training in Gaiman to kind of pick things up and go forward, but legally you need to have an accredited representative there. So I went back uh, for several weekends and now we're doing it like we are now. We're doing it via Zoom. And so one or two or, or both of the women who are training now will do a physical meeting with people in Gaiman and then I'll Zoom in when it comes to well for the consultation so that we it gives them opportunity to practice and it makes sure that we can keep the center going and it's a, a little bit like playing chess because you have to think several moves ahead right so we're because we need to get the process going here in El Paso but it takes about a year for a for an organization to become fully certified so it's a long process and so we're just we're just going to let things overlap and we'll do as much as we can when we can all right well we're going to take a, a quick break angela but uh, i want you when we come back i want you to uh think about this uh, uh, what would you like to tell people who are listening to this podcast today about your work as an immigration specialist so let's take this quick break here for momentum ministries and we'll be right back Are you living with momentum or are you just drifting through life? Our desire at Momentum Ministries is to help you live each day with spiritual momentum. 
Pastor Scott is a registered evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene and wants to help churches and individuals experience revival to regain spiritual momentum. He already has a few revival meetings scheduled and would like to schedule more, but he needs your help. Would you partner with Pastor Scott in this ministry of evangelism? You can do this in a few ways. First, you can pray for this ministry. You can also share the news with those who might wish to call Pastor Scott for a revival meeting. Finally, you can give financially to enable Pastor Scott to go places that otherwise could not afford to have a revival. You can do that on our website, MomentumMinistries.org. Now, let's get back to today's podcast. All right, we're back now with Angela Walker from El Paso, Texas. And Angela, I believe you are going to share with us a little bit about what it means to be an immigration specialist. It means that you want to listen to someone's story and help them find a way to become a citizen of the United States. If that's what their ultimate goal is. It takes as many pathways as there are individual people, right? Because each person has their story, how they got here, why they came here. Sometimes they came by their own choice. Sometimes it's a child whose parent made the decision for them when they were too young to make a decision for themselves. And so now they're trying to figure out how do they, how do they succeed with that? And there are times when one one of our responsibilities is to be truthful with someone to say, because of the choices that you made or the choices that your parents made, this is the situation you're in. And it may not be possible for you to ever become a fully recognized citizen of the United States. It may not be possible for you to live a life without fear. Many of the people who immigrate to the United States are doing so out of fear. They fear for their lives, for their children, for their livelihood. And when they get here, if they have come in with documents, they've come in with a visa, at some point that visa will expire. And so then there's a fear, what what will I do when that's done? And uh, is there a way for me to be able to live more permanently here? And I don't know that as someone who was born in the United States, lived in the United States my whole life, I don't know that I could resonate with that. So my first job is to listen and listen without judgment and to listen with love. And then my second job is to say, okay, here are what the real possibilities are. Here are what the real options are. And I feel like a big part of my job is to offer grace, (laughs) to be welcoming presence, to say, you are welcome here and loved. And to say that I will do what I can to help. And I've been thinking a lot about the advent of Christ and how much the story of the people of God is a story of people on the move, right? Who are going from one place to another. And even the church, the the early church you read in the book of Acts, it would not have spread out beyond Jerusalem if persecution hadn't broken out. And so they were fleeing. They were immigrating they were crossing borders they were going to new countries where often they weren't welcome and where they were bringing change to the culture and how many times has God used movement to grow his church and you know I think God is using 
the immigration into the United States is a tremendous opportunity for missionary work for us. Now, how many of us have said or thought, I, I would be a missionary. I don't know. I want to live in Africa. You know, I don't know. I want to live among cannibals or whatever our, you know, our imagination tells us being missionaries like, but God is bringing the world into our cities. He's bringing people to us and we can be missionaries just by crossing the street and being willing to hear someone's story. And my responsibility is also to uh, to make sure it's done legally and done well. And to, I had a, was in a meeting one time with a gentleman from the Department of Homeland Security and he put the fear of God into me. <laughs> he said, when you work with immigrants, when you are, speaking to someone as their legal representative, you have their life in your hands and you are doing something really important. Don't mess it up. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, I won't. And there have been some conversations I've had that have reminded me of the weight of that. It feels a little similar to the weight of preaching sometimes. You know, when you step into the pulpit to preach, you're daring to say that God has something to say to you. You need to listen to this. And there's a, a weightiness about that. And I feel that with immigration work. At the same time, it's a tremendous open door for the church, right? How many times do we say, boy, I wish I wish we could have some new people in our church. Well, you know how to do that? Start an immigration center. <laughs> when we started letting our community in Gaiman know about what we were doing, our community was thrilled. The schools were excited because they have, they deal with migrant families all the time. The healthcare, right? Our healthcare system is, they have migrants who, whether it's somebody who's working or somebody who's injured and needs some help, it affects our healthcare system. You know, employers are going to be happy about that because if they have any questions about the legitimacy of somebody who's working for them, they can, we can work on that, you know? And so every helping with immigration touches every aspect of the community and it provides this natural open door. And it also shows the church, which sometimes looks like a place that excludes people as a place that welcomes people. And it may not, your church may never have like a multi- cultural service and it doesn't necessarily need to but man imagine what what people would say about you in the community if instead of wondering what does that church do they would hear you know the church helps immigrants they help people find a place they and they're doing it just to be helpful and this program is really designed for for low income, it's that's one of the key aspects of it is you have to let the government know, you know, if somebody can't afford it, here's what we'll do. You know, we'll either reduce the fee or we'll waive the fee. There are fees associated with it because somebody's spending a lot of time. There are some, there are some documents that as you're working through them, it could take all day to do the work on it. And so there needs to be some payment for that. And also you know, we all value what we pay for. 
but it's low cost. It's it's nothing compared to what an immigration attorney would charge. Now, I was in a meeting with some pastors from Kansas, and one of them had had hired an immigration attorney for himself and his family, and he saw our fee schedule, and he said, ah, that's crazy. That's crazy. If I'd have known about something like this, that's what I would have done, you know? And so every church, maybe you don't have the people to do it. It doesn't have to be a staff person. You just need somebody who's willing to say, I'll I'll give my time to this. And so, for example, in Guyman, one of our people in training is a young lady who just graduated college. Both her parents are immigrants. Her sister's a DACA recipient. You know, and she wants to help people like her family. The other one is a woman who's a, she's a flight nurse. She's a single mom and a foster mom to two boys. And she just feels God has called her to this work. And so they're both putting in extra time, extra hours. And, you know, it's, it's because God's called us to it. We can help people and, we can be a loving voice in a in a time, you know, immigration has been highly politicized these last few years. And if you listen to certain news outlets, it sounds like immigrants are not welcome here. And we can change that narrative. We can say, you know what, you are welcome. We do want to help. I appreciate all that you've shared. And I think you've answered the question as to why you're doing this, it's a work of grace, isn't it? It is. And God has called you and you have obeyed. And, you know, I, I admire you for just doing the right thing because it's the right thing, mm-hmm. not to build your church or not to make a name for yourself, but because people need help. That's what Jesus did. People needed help. He didn't come to call the, uh, the, uh, righteous but the unrighteous he didn't come to heal the healthy but the sick right and you're doing your work uh, not for the the sake of those who already have a place but for somebody who's looking for a place and that place ultimately we know is uh, in the love and grace of god well uh before we finish up i want to uh to pause for a minute and just to to say a prayer for you and for the work that you do and both in Guyman and in El Paso. And I know there are others like you, but right now you're the one that I know. And so as I pray for you, I, I hope it's a prayer that uh, represents everybody like you that's helping people to find a place, a place in the love of God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we, uh, we're so grateful today that uh, you accept us. Not only do you accept us when we come, but you came to us to bring us into your family and kingdom. Jesus himself was an immigrant. He had to travel. He sojourned in Egypt. He came back. He wasn't welcome in many of the places where he went. Most of the places. But he loved. And he showed us the way of love. I thank you that that has infected Angela's heart, and I pray that it would increase, that you would bring alongside her in El Paso, as you have done in Guymon, those who would assist in this work, 
I pray, God, that you would give them wisdom and insight. I pray that you would open the doors of opportunity for those who need to find safety and refuge, acceptance and love. Thank you again for Angela. Make her strong in the Lord and the power of his might as she does the work of the kingdom. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us, Angela. Is there any last words that you'd want to share with us? I think that we've talked about this. I think that every district should have an immigration center. That's something I'd love to help. If you want to put my phone number and my email in the show notes or whatever link to it, uh, I would talk to anybody about it because I just think it's, it can, on the surface, it can seem kind of intimidating to say, I got to go to law school. But the, the great thing is nobody's trying to flunk you out of that school. They want you to succeed, right? And how many times do our churches get invited to do something by the U.S. government? That doesn't happen very often. And I, I would really encourage people to do that. And because it will it will break your heart to hear some of the stories that I've heard. So if we can do something so that people don't live in fear, but instead live in the confidence, you know, that they're children of God. Let's do something about it. Amen. All right. Well, I will share on the uh, on the program notes that uh, a way to get in touch with you, your contact right. information. We'll take care of that. But uh, thank you again, Angela, uh, not you. just for coming on, but for the work that you do. And uh, you're an extension or an invitation into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and thank you very much for that. Thank you, Scott, for encouragement and and the fun of knowing you. (laughs) Well, that's a good compliment. Thank you. (laughs) Well, that's all we have time for today. But uh, I do appreciate all who are uh, taking time out of their day to join us on this casual conversation. Join us again next week and uh, have a great day. Thanks for listening in on Casual Conversations, brought to you by Momentum Ministries. Visit our website at MomentumMinistries.org. That's Momentum Ministries with two M's in the middle, dot O-R-G. God bless you and have a great day.